Welcome to yet another episode of That Is Effin' Weird. Today we are going to be covering something that is kind of a hot topic right now. You might know him by the name of Alex Jones. Um, I'm not going to lie, I don't know a whole lot about them, but Cody here says that he knows quite a bit, and we're going to be talking about some some topics. Uh, we're going to dive into it, but first we'll just introduce everyone. I'm Alex. I'm Tristan. And I'm Cody. And Cody, why don't you just take us right into it? I, I am really excited. I'm really interested to see what you have to say. All right. So for those of you who are unaware, Alex Jones is a, like we elaborated to earlier, a character. Um, he, uh, <laughs> he had his own show. It was called InfoWars. Um, and just as the name kind of tells, that was pretty much it. He, uh, they found information that was maybe either misleading or not out there or hidden. And they basically went to war over it in every way and capacity that they could. Real quick was is, isn't info war info wars a network or like something else because it's still on, but he's just not a part of it. Right. I'm not a hundred percent sure. I, I mean, it was, I believe it, essentially he was taken off of it at the end of 2018, 2019. So um, I'm not sure if it's still running to this day. He was, for the most part, he was like the the main character or the kind of the driving force behind it. He yeah. uh, He's definitely an animated personality and uh, people enjoy watching him for many reasons, whether it be his information <laughs> or just how active he is or how emotional he is or because they think that he's completely wrong and they want to laugh at him. So mm -hmm. he's definitely um, a strong personality. And I, I didn't keep up with this, the show afterwards, so I apologize for that. But um, so I don't want to get too much into who he is. He's obviously been on plenty of shows. He's very famously on um, Joe Rogan's podcast a couple times. And, you know, he said some outlandish stuff on there as well. So um, we're not here to say that we agree or disagree, but um, we're here to talk about a few things he was right about and um, something that he wasn't, which we'll get to later. So. I think he's one a, of the big, go ahead. I was going to say, he's a big conspiracy theorist. Like that's his big Red thing. Butter, he's like, yeah, like that yes. is his whole thing. Like, cause some of the things that I've heard, I don't know if you're going to cover it. Um, I think one of the, I, I think it's like a meme is like, he says that the, the water is turning like the frogs gay. Yes. And like, and that was, and, that ended up being proven correct. Are you, what? Yes. Are you I, I'm dead. Yeah. I'm dead yeah, serious. That ended up being proven correct. So, we, and that's not on my list. So that works out perfectly. That's a good caveat to that. But oh yes, <laughs> years later, there was um, scientific um, journals and um, articles put out about how certain additives that were found in the water and it didn't make them gay. So I, you know, for everybody out there, it made them um, hermaphrodites, uh, made oh. male tadpoles hermaphrodites, which is what he was alluding to. It's just obviously the verbiage, His was, verbiage was way yeah. off. The way he talks <laughs> okay. is pretty specific. <laughs> yes. <laughs> but you're right. Oh, wow. That is that is correct. And that is one of the outlandish things he said for years, and everybody bashed him over. And then, you know, a few years later, it came out that he was correct. So is this 
I again, I I know we're not supposed to get too much like into him, but is this something where he because he had his show Info War Info Wars now. I'm curious to think or to see if like, is he the one that's doing all the research by himself or does he have a team of people working with him to like when he got started, I'm more than positive. It was majority his own legwork, but kind of like anything, when you see success, even like with Joe Rogan now, um, most of the work is done from the people around them. So this behind the scenes, you have editors, you have writers, you have people doing the research. And that's actually something we'll get to actually in the last section that there are, you know, people that are that are creating some of the topics for him that work for him. Okay. So now one of his huge hits that ended up being real, um, he used to make comments about um, the elites and the elites from Hollywood and the just the elites in the United States would go and... Um, his his words, not mine, so I apologize, would go out in the woods and have gay sex and have a bunch of um, satanic rituals. And for the longest time, he said this. And then he broke into a place called Bohemian Grove and recorded yes. the cremation of, of the care ceremony, which was a worshiping of a god. And um, we're not going to get into who it was or what, because there's debate about it, but most people believe it's Olmec. But, um... And there was a very, 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 very influential people there. And um, obviously he got a lot of footage. It's still available out there if you want to see it. It's on YouTube. It's not the greatest of qualities because this happened in the year 2000 and video quality at that time is not that great, especially when you're sneaking it into a place in the dark. A potato camera. Yeah, (laughs) but you still get the gist of it. But the the crazy thing is now um, Bohemian Grove was always kind of hush hush and slightly talked about like it was known about in the upper echelon communities but it was never like like everybody knows it's there but nobody really knew what was going on behind the scenes there but some famous people that belonged to it were richard nixon ronald reagan teddy roosevelt dwight eisenhower colin powell um and nelson rockefeller and that was you're talking years so this has been going on for over 100 years this ceremony or this retreat and uh, he, so he broke the news and then he took, and I'm, I'm sorry for the life of me, I can't remember who it was, but one of the senators that he knew was there, he actually bum rushed him in the middle of DC and like started questioning him about it. And the senator lost his shit, like literally started like yelling at him and everything saying that, you know, he's what's wrong with the country, just breaking a bunch of basis claims because he was caught off guard. But it was very interesting, um, and I'm, I'm sure, at least, Tristan, I'm sure you uh, have at least heard of this. So I'd like to hear what you guys have heard or your kind of thoughts of on Of Bohemian it. Grove itself? Yes, and so like his whole process. I've touched on this before, and it's a little ironic because I, I did mean to be on the last episode where we talked about media. And specifically, the book I was going to talk about was one of my favorite books I've mentioned, Player Piano, um, where there's a giant long part where the lead character gets invited to an island where it's basically like a team building exercise, but everything's super ritualistic. And like, there's all these formalities and things in reference to like Greek mythology and a lot of just crap like that meant to like bring people together. Cause it takes them out of the normal world and kind of gives them something to be united behind. Mm-hmm. And that's honestly how I've always thought about those kinds of things. Like uh, the thing about Alex Jones with that is like, he has such a big personality when he's trying to talk about things that, 
are going on that no one's really acknowledging. So he uses a, a lot of big, not like big complicated words, but like bombastic language to try to like get you to check out what he's talking about. Even though it's not a bunch of people going and having gay sex in the woods and worshiping Satan and sacrificing babies, that's not what's going on. But when he says something like that, it makes you want to go see what the hell he's talking about. And it opens your eyes to the fact that, okay, yeah, elites do do that kind of thing where like they do groom each other for positions later in life based off of how they can interact and function within that closed society, which is what those kinds of things are, is they're tests to kind of see if you're willing to play ball. Re read that book, Player Piano. They actually break down the whole setup of how that kind of thing can work. Um, and just, it, it's in a 50s language, so it's, it's a little bit more, um, it's, it's a different perspective, but the, the idea is still the same. Yeah, to, to backpack off of that, I actually completely agree with you. I don't think it's as big of a deal as it was made out to be. Now, granted, um, could there be some, you know, backroom deals and stuff going on there? Absolutely. But we also More have to be likely, realistic. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. We also have to be realistic that that's happening anyways. And it's not just there. Like, there's multitudes of places and things that you know, that that happens. I'm not saying it's right. I'm not saying anything like that, but that is the reality of the situation. And I think what he kind of played on is one of, I think one of the biggest issues with America in a way is that we, we tend to be predominantly ruled by religion, even though we're not supposed to be. And everything that is against like, uh, Christianity as like as a whole, like Catholicism and everything as a blanket, we always like the public perceives it as evil. And I think that that's what he banked on with saying they're worshiping the devil and this, that, and the other one. Really, they're just worshiping a deity, which is actually fairly common. It's not an uncommon thing. It's more common than people think it is, but it's just a perspective. It's the public perspective and the way that we, that people in the media, which is what we're talking about, can manipulate that to their favor. Satanic panic, man. Satanic panic. <laughs> Americans eat that shit up. They always mm -hmm. have. Anything with demons in it, like, they just, they love that stuff. Um, I don't even know if it necessarily has to do fully with, like, kind of like a, a the total Christian undertone. That's just something inherently American. I, I, I remember, like, um, there's this one way that when, I think it was in World War II or World War, no, this might have been in the Civil War, actually. Um, Europe, uh, Germany had sent over a general to train American troops. I, I forget the specifics of the war. I I'm not going to promise on that one. Um, but the basic idea was he was trying to teach them the way he would teach Germans and teach like different people in Europe, which is a much more like yelling at them, very specific, very structured, very drill. And sure, we have that in our modern military, but particularly at that point in time, um, they wouldn't listen to what he was saying when he would just scream at them. He had to explain why they were doing something. Because that's just, Americans have this weird mentality like that where they like to think they're better than everyone else. They always kind of have. <laughs> Unfortunately, yeah, that's, yeah, that, that seems to be the, the mindset. But when you use uh, sen like sensational language, like, you know, demons and they're murdering and eating babies. It's a lot of, a lot of baby eating too. That's another common that's trope. I think it's him. associated with him a lot is that they eat babies. Well, I think that's like been in like, I think that's like what has been kind of like going around right now is the whole like I think Missy had to even hit on it too is like the cannibalism type thing like and I don't know if that was something that was mentioned or he had mentioned that was going on there um but I do remember seeing a uh, a documentary crew 
trying to get in exactly like how Alex Jones did. I can't for the life of me remember who or like what group it was. And it was, um, I'll try to find it. I'll try to provide the link in the description of this. Um, so if you're listening in the audience, you can take a look at that. But essentially, I think they they linked in with Alex Jones, too. And he like kind of showed him how he got in. And there's like a river right next to or like I've a cliff. That. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yes. Yeah, so you know what I'm talking about? And um, there's security all over the place. And that, I think that is just makes it that that much more enticing. And it's almost like Area 51 where it's <laughs> and there's constant guards. So it's almost like. When you have that level of security, it's almost like, well, what is going on in there? Like, we're just curious. I think, like, as humans, it's like, don't touch what's, like, don't touch the paint. Ooh, I want to touch the paint now, you know? It's just like, I don't know what it is. Like, human nature. button complex, yeah. Exactly. (laughs) So, I mean, if if anyone in the audience, if you you know why that is, if uh, you know psychologically as humans why we just want that, just, you know, leave a drop a comment. And then uh, we'll, we'll we'll go from there. But please continue, Cody, with what else you have. All right. So actually, that was actually a really good caveat to my third topic. So I'm just going to skip the second one and go back to it. So okay. there is uh, one of his um, outlandish claims, which seemed outlandish for a very long period of time, was that um, the elite in Hollywood, again, and the elite in the Silicon Valley were um, trafficking children to basically drain them of their blood to help old people basically gain more youth. And he got absolutely slayed for this, right? But, here, but here's the funny thing. You're laughing right now. Are, I, are you I, ready I, for this? I, yeah, yo, for this? this ended yo. up being true. <laughs> so um, earlier uh, in 2021 a company called Griffles closed on a $146 million deal by Alka Health, a company founded by a Stanford University of Neuroscience, who revealed a scientific paper published in 2011-2014 that the blood from young mice had seemingly miraculously restorative effects on the brain of elderly mice. Now, this discovery essentially... I'm not going to read the entire article to you guys, but this, mm-hmm. this paper in 2011 and 2014 created like a, a race in Silicon Valley for tech giants to find a way to make this compatible with humans. And that was, that was like an official news story on kind of like the correlation and how they, they truly believe that they can take children's blood and help you know, older, very successful elites basically become somewhat younger. So he was he was slayed by this, and he it was an outlandish claim, but there's justification, and it's actually, again, out of nowhere, is kind of happening. What I don't understand is <laughs> this is going to sound. I am okay. Uh, let me let me first just say that. But why would you want to live any longer than what you're supposed to? You know what I mean? It's just like. I, I don't understand that. Like when you get to a certain age, like, okay, okay. Let's, let's say for instance, that is true where, you know, replenishing your body with, I guess, young blood, it makes you more youthful in a sense. Your bones are still going to be brittle. Your muscles are still going to, it's not going to be like you're like 20 again. And you're like, you know, 
you know, exercising and running and having that energy, like, yeah, sure. A little bit maybe, but I, I, I don't get it. Like why, why live any longer than what you're naturally supposed to? Like, so, I, I just, so some theories, have you ever, have you ever seen or heard of the show called Altered Carbon? It's on I've Netflix. heard of it. I haven't watched I've it heard of it. I've seen like So the concept behind the show is there's this thing called a stack. And a stack is essentially like a almost like an SDD that holds all of your consciousness. So as a human being, it's it's holding all of your consciousness and you can essentially pull it out of a body slash meat suit put it into another one, and then now you're animated as that individual. Did you say CD or? No, or SDD. Like SDD. A, oh, okay. I, I was well, just SDD. making sure. I, uh, just or making SSD, sure. sorry. I said it wrong anyways. <laughs> okay. Because okay. wondering um, where the, the transmitted disease part was coming. No, 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 no. SSD, sorry. <laughs> Apologies. Um, so, yeah, so a solid stage drive. So, like, a memory card, essentially. Okay. That probably would have been better to start with anyways. So like a memory card <laughs> that holds your consciousness yep. and you just yep. basically put it into. So when you destroy the body that you have purchased and you're using, they make other bodies. And then like it also creates the whole making bodies for armor, for fighting. They're a little bit stronger. The bone integrity like it create. But you also essentially live forever as long as your stack doesn't get destroyed. So. People along now Netflix is partly in fault for this because for releasing that and people believe everything on Netflix, but (laughs) also because of advances like Neuralink that are coming out from Elon Musk. And so like these things are becoming, these things are becoming possible. They're not possible today, but in the near to distant future, they are becoming a reasonable possibility. So now Put yourself in an elite's shoes. And again, I'm not saying that this is right, but sometimes you have to put yourself in other people's perspectives. Put yourself in some like Warren Buffett's shoes. This man has owned the world for how many years, right? Essentially, he can do whatever the hell he wants, whenever the hell he wants, because he just has that money. And he has for a very long time. And But he's also very, very close to ending, you know, that cycle because he's, mm-hmm. he's very old. So somebody like him... They're going to do everything that they can because they, because it's something that Tristan said in another episode, people, the moment that they get power, they don't really think rationally anymore. So you don't want to give up that power. You will do anything that you can to maintain power and you will find every avenue you can to help the longevity of your life until something like that maybe comes around and you can be inserted into a young body and start over essentially physically. I wouldn't want to. Like I, I'm, I'm sorry. Like I, I that's I, a I rational mindset. I, <laughs> that's, that's true. But I, I guess that, like, at what point? At what point does that happen? Like, I guess if you, like, do you think if it's like you're born? I think Tristan. I think you said this in another episode too. Like when you're, when you're part of a certain class, and if you're just born into it. Do you think it's just ingrained in you, like at a certain age, or your like brain's from- wired different at that point, dude? Like if you're born, yeah. like, think about like they talk about babies or sponges. Like your whole worldview is going to be formulated off that first like really five six years, even if you don't realize it. That's where I mm-hmm. think a lot of like nightmares and like strange things we don't understand those trippy experiences. I think of a lot of it's like you trying to compartmentalize that raw data from when you were a little kid. But if mm-hmm. you're born into a certain class where certain expectations of certain things, and it, also these people care about lineage too. Remember that if if you're higher in class, you, the 
you can't live forever. So what do you do is you train your children to basically be you so you can live on via legacy. But if there's ever a practical way to make yourself live forever and hold on to that power forever, that's exactly what they're going to, that's oldest time. Like yeah. any king is, kings have done that for hundreds. Like what well, the first emperor of China died that way. He ate mercury because he thought it would make him live forever. That's right. I remember he uh, like I uh, saw a film, something I think on the History Channel about that. He was like he was shooting like bone arrows into the uh, like or uh, arrows into the uh, like the sky or something like that, like trying to catch fish and like like people he would was be crazy clapping. shit. Yeah, too, even before yeah. that, but he was so obsessed with holding on to that power that yep. he was willing to do anything, um, and he had the power to do it. So no one really questioned him. So I guess. Why would you want to stay? Okay, so all right, all right, just go with me on this one, okay? You're good. No, you're good. So, why, why not come back as a ghost, right? Because no shit, <laughs> then you get to really hang out forever. Like you know, the body is just like temporary, but as a ghost, like why aren't they pouring money into that? I'll let you go first. <laughs> so there's another story. Um, it's just a short story about this kind of concept where basically humans get to the point where their consciousness can leave their body and basically exist Ooh. as a ghost independent of it. And they can use vessels to interact and have human experiences. But what ends up happening is people choose sides among it. There's the purists that want to live a normal life and not leave their body and live and die. And then there's the people that want to live forever and they hate each other. And they always mm. are trying to kill each other because they disagree. Most of the time, like most of the ghosts, they just kind of float around and just want to live. But the people that chose to stay in their body and live a normal life, half their mission is about hunting these things down, getting them into a solid body and killing them because um, they think it's unnatural. So, wait, yeah, I mean, is, that's something you could look into. But <laughs> what, what, wait, what what is this? It's a short story from Kurt Vonnegut at the end of one of his oh, collections. Because he wrote like a lot of newspaper short stories when he was starting out. And that was yeah. one of them. It was like the story of these two ghost people that are in love. And like they end up getting captured and murdered. And you know, Also, yeah. like <laughs> another spinoff of that um, is think about the fact of do, do a lot of people believe ghosts are real? Yes. Are there a lot of people that don't? Yes. Is there irrefutable proof? that they do exist. No. So, no, no, I know. I understand that that's debatable, but, but now think about it from there. Think about it from, from somebody who's power hungry's mindset. Do I go with the possible or do I find the definite? Well, so, okay. So who, who, the guy who owned Skinwalker Ranch before, they made the fucking uh, the TV show on yeah, the show. What is it? Yeah, yeah. it's uh, history like, or discovery or something. Something like that. It's uh, it was like Mike. No, it was uh, something Bigelow. It was, I, I don't know his first name. You're saying if someone is super rich, why not go for the the definite rather than the possible? So aliens technically still haven't been proven. That's still a possibility. Yet he poured so much money in time. He created NIDS, the was it the National Institute of Discovery Science, into trying to def trying to find if aliens truly exist. And like he bought that piece of land because it was a hot spot. And like he he spent so much time and he apparently he does have like evidence that yes, things did happen there and like he is it's classified or whatever but 
I don't know. That, I think that's just an example of an elite not going for the definite, but rather than the possibility. Again, this is just not necessarily thinking like trying to live forever, but. But yes, yeah. but I will disagree with you on one part because mm-hmm. the only thing that you're not aware of, he could have been aware that they were existed. Just because me and you do not have documented proof as an elite, he has access to information that we won't ever see. True. Based on his contacts and stuff like that. So he may have been full aware that aliens existed. He may have had the proof. And therefore, to him, it was a smart investment. But to us, when we're looking at it from our perspectives as not having any type of proof, and I'm not saying that there is or isn't proof, I'm just saying, from Mm. our perspective, we don't know. So it's kind of like a shot in the dark to us. But I haven't seen very many people with that type of money take that big of a risk on a shot in the dark. Generally, there is some information or some statistical backing as to why they did it. I think t- I I think the whole trying to get like the younger blood, I think that's a real big shot in the dark just cuz like, you there's a little test subjects between mice or whatever. That doesn't well, mean mice are how we portray most medicine towards ourselves because they're so similar. True, but don't you have to do like okay, you start with mice and then you like do the next big animal and then the next thing and then you do human tr- – no? Not always. Sometimes it goes mice to just human depending on what? what it is. Yeah, depending on what it is, what the potential side effects are and who's doing it. But wouldn't you think something like transferring blood from one human to another, you might want to take those steps? Like don't you think – It's not the blood specifically because I remember reading – I've read that article before um, and I remember some of the other ones because it gets deep and weird because then they get onto like culty shit and like <laughs> stuff about like the kids have to be scared when they die because that maximizes yeah, the protein that they're trying to get. Like what, what is that called? Yeah. Adron- adrenochrome or something like or that. There it is. Yep. Thank you. That's Yeah. That's a that's the cultish version of that of same it. concept. But yeah. rich elite people love culty shit because it makes them feel important. <laughs> Oh my god! Yeah, it's a, it's a rabbit hole in itself. But uh. the the other thing though is where you're saying like, wouldn't you want? You're right. Like in the perfect world, wouldn't you want? But you're in Germany right now, so mm-hmm. you know better than us. Still in America, that in that part of the world, there is a lot of shit that is not allowed to be consumed over there. That it is normal see here because oh, of like what it food? does to us. Yes. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And there's I a mean, lot of additives. Oh, yeah, there's a lot that's of true. so in Germany, true. wouldn't you think you should do this? And yes, that's the case. In America, no, that's gonna screw with our profits. So no. I mean, I don't I don't get out much. I kind of stay at home. So I <laughs> I don't I don't know. <laughs> I, I saw a YouTube video on that recently where it was breaking down like um all the food that is normal in America and like where it's illegal. And it's like everything we love. Mm-hmm. Like all of our oh. favorite processed foods, pretty much anything that's not like perfectly fresh in America, they all use certain chemicals that are outlawed all over the world. Yeah, for well, good reasons. <laughs> well, yeah. I, I will say that like shopping out on the economy and everything like that, just like some of like just some of the food, it's like a lot. You can tell like, I mean, obviously, but you can tell there's a huge difference just from like the bread to the milk, to like everything. There's just a different taste. Like, what was it? It was garlic. When when I first got here, um, I got a clove of garlic. And it is, I don't know. I, I, okay, again, may, it, there may, it just might be like the soil and how it was, you know, grown. But there is a different, a very different texture and taste to the garlic here 
than it is in America. And I don't know. It's it's so weird. I mean, I could just be crazy. It's called, or uh, it's called Monsanto, but yeah. What, what the? Oh. What? So you know, <laughs> genetically grown, genetically grown food is what he's talking about versus yeah. like naturally. Yeah. Grown so food. so there's. I think the last time I saw the stat was a couple of years ago. So I know I'm not accurate right now. But at one point in time, I, I a couple of years ago, I believe it was like 65 to 70 percent of crops in the United States were genetically modified. So, OK, quick question. Is there anything really wrong with that? Inherently, yes no. no, inherently, no. Yes. But it leaves open a lot of opportunity for there to be something wrong. And for like, that's where like the mind control thing comes from. And they're, like, they're trying to keep us fat and dumb. Because if you gen- if you have complete control over the food source um, from the like just and you make it in uh, manufacturing type way, I mean, not only does that separate people from the means of production completely, which is its own issue, but then it allows whoever is controlling that to manipulate it however they want or test things or try things that haven't been proven to be harmful or good for you on long scale. Because you know we live about what seventy years, give or take. That's a long time to run trials uh, as to like what these chemicals can do. Is because when you're manufacturing something like that, it's more chemistry than it is like agricultural science. Yeah, okay. and then it's and you also have the whole oh well something accidentally spilled we didn't realize it excuse at all times and and mm. we apologize and it was just this batch and and then you see the recalls on lettuce from this date to this date and why was it really re- yeah. you know what I mean? There's a lot of there's a lot of ability to manipulate things i'm not saying it is or isn't but there is a lot of room for it well unfortunately people are going to inherently care less about the product they're making because they take away the soul out of it i mean especially something as important as fucking food like there's a reason people like dedicate their lives to something like farming and um, agriculture it's because you need to like put yourself into it for it to produce good results but if you're doing something where it's manufactured like at a plant or something like that that's where people's get that disconnect and then they don't care about the mistakes that are made. You know, they don't mean as much to them because they're not connected to it. Exactly. True. Do you care about the consistency of the pink paste and the chicken nugget that you ate from McDonald's? It's right. How exactly. is it any different from the first one to the 10th one? Does it really matter? <laughs> <laughs> I, uh, and it's true because I mean, like if you think, okay, so I've tried doing this plenty of times, just like growing, like you can buy just seeds at the store and just growing it and just how hard it is just to grow just like a, a pepper or something as simple as that or an onion. It's so just, we killed it's a cactus. So- I don't even know how you do that, but like <laughs> his name was Gustavo and he didn't make it and we're very upset about it. But we killed a fucking cactus. Growing things is not easy. No, no it's it's really there's a lot not. of science. There's a lot of there's a lot involved. The time of year, the temperature, the the consistency of water, the consistency of sun, what type of sun, all that. Yeah, yeah it's in it, I think that I think a lot of people take that for granted too, like when they're just buying stuff or throwing out food. And that's something that I actually had to um to think about because like at what was it? Like a couple of months ago, I noticed that like I was just throwing away food and like I was being wasteful. And it was just like, okay, I gotta stop. Like I gotta quit buying stuff that I'm just not gonna eat. And then again, I think it was one of those aha moments when I was like, okay, I'm going to try to grow a pepper and it just didn't work. And then it was like, all right, okay, got to be a little bit more mindful and everything. So, but we're getting way off topic. I don't think Alex yeah. Jones tried to grow a <laughs> crops or anything like that. Nope. <laughs> oh, um, Although if but, we do ever need an episode, Monsanto is probably a uh, five hour one by itself. And that's the genetically 
It's the company GMO. that yeah. yeah. They okay. also own they also own like a lot of pesticide chemicals and stuff like that. They're a very, very, very big conglomerate. Yeah. All right. So another one that was very, very, very famous. Uh it's still kind of famous, but it was very famous a year or two ago. Is um one of the outlandish claims that Alex Jones talked about for probably 15 years before this came to light was his favorite one was the, the Hollywood elites. Again, that's his favorite. Um, <laughs> if you can't tell, there's a theme. Uh, yeah. The Hollywood elites had an island that they would go and have sex with children on. Now, he oh. talked about this for 15 years. Well, before yeah. it was even remotely on the radar. And he, he mentioned Epstein. Multiple times. Yep. Um, and obviously, again, here we are. He was right. Yeah. That. That whole situation, like I, I've tried to follow it, but there is it just seems like there is so much to that story. It just it go, like it, there's just it's so big and it's lots it, of red tape, too. Yeah, it it's crazy. And then, yeah, it's. It's, there's a lot. There's a lot to unwrap. I think we could make an episode with that within itself, but I don't know if I want to. Like, yeah. it's, 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 I like, I get, okay, I get, I know you're listening to that's effing weird and that may be something that you want to listen to. I don't know though. Like that would, maybe in the future we can cover something like that later down the line, but that one is just, yeah, it's, it's, it's a, a hard lot. conversation to work through. It, it really is. It's hard to process. Yeah. And and like pe and I was gonna say like in people's lives were dramatically affected by that. It was just like everyone that was like everyone kind of who was involved, who like was brought to the island or whatever, and then you know, it's just it I don't know. It's I think it's a very sensitive subject, especially like and I think it will be for a long time. So like I said, I, maybe later down the road we could cover that. I agree. My only my only caveat to that is the only problem that I have with it, and I think it's a majority of the populace's problem, is the fact that there's only two people in jail. And there yep. was an entire list. So I, I feel like that's a pretty general consensus is if you had a list of names, why are they still free? But mm -hmm. <laughs> but uh, yeah, so there's obviously that one. So those are those are three things that he got correct, that mm -hmm. he was bashed quite profusively for a very very long time on all those and even the gay the gay frogs want to he's bashed pretty bad for that for a while so uh, i remember this too i remember this was a big deal and i think youtube i don't know it might have been youtube or uh, i don't know if it was just like the internet in general i can't remember but he was kicked off of like some platform twitter for was it twitter like forever like he will never be able to like go on it again and like i think that was now, I could be wrong, but I think like that was the start of like, to me, I think like the cancel culture, like you can do that to some like I was unaware that you could just kick somebody off and they, their voices could not be heard anymore. And I, so, I go ahead. Go ahead. Oh, you go ahead. I'll let you finish. <laughs> I was, like I was just gonna say it's it's I didn't I don't know. I could be wrong. I think maybe that might have happened to people in the past. But again, like Alex Jones was had such a loud voice and his some of the things that he was saying was very almost outlandish. And then it was just boom, he's no forever kicked off this platform. You can never come back on. So he was this, he was the test subject. He was the scapegoat. He was the 
if we do this to somebody that majority of people dislike, mm-hmm. can we get away with it? If we can get away with it with him, we can start stretching other boundaries. If we can't get yeah. away with it with him when the majority of the populace doesn't like him, okay, we'll wait a couple more years and try it again. But it worked. Yeah. What, so was he the – do you think he was the first for the like the whole cancel culture thing? Or, was, or were there other people before I'm, him? I'm sure that there was plenty, but I think he was one of the more high-profile ones at the time because he still mm-hmm. had – he still, I mean, he still to this day does, but he still had a pretty cult following at the time. Yeah. It was pretty dra- like there's people that believe everything that comes out of his mouth as if it was coming out of Jesus's mouth right in front of them. So yeah. he does have like a lot of sympathizers. So I feel like that was, and again, this is just for me looking at it from a different perspective, but if I was testing it, he's a pretty good test subject because you have people that will go to war for him and then you have people that will applaud it and you kind of have a split, and if you get away with it, you can almost do it to anybody. And they ended up doing it to Trump too. So it was a, yeah. a sitting president they did it to. And that's just if that would have never happened to Alex Jones, I don't think that that would have been fathomable to do it to Trump, even with it's the circumstances. Very, it's very possible. And I, I think it's really, I think it's hard for people like when, like, like what you were saying, like you'd brought, you'd brought up three different subject or three different times that he was completely right about something so it makes you i guess question like okay if he was right about all of these things then he has to be right about like the other crazy things that he's saying too i mean is he probably not i you know what i'm saying but it's just like i can understand where like some people would be like a diehard fan of his or like follow him to the end because again when someone starts being right about these things it's like okay well you got to be right then about these other things so hmm. that's just a logical fallacy dude just because someone's right one time doesn't mean they're right about anything else in the rest of their life that is true that is true yes but also to the other side um and i'm not saying that i believe this but there's also it also opens the door for other things as well because what we have been taught and what we have been programmed, because whether we believe it or not, we've been programmed since we were younger with different things, is that the government tends to, in all the spy shows and everything else, you get programmed that if the government if you if you betray the government in any way, shape, or form, or if you tell people the bad things that they did, they will find a way to destroy you. Whether it be mm-hmm. physically, in the media, so on and so forth, Edward Snowden, Julian Assange, like there is definitely, you know, proving grounds of that. But so there's a theory that that's what happened is that he got right too much. So there was something that was baited and there's some things that were baited to help them derail him. I'm not mm-hmm. saying that that's true. And that's going to kind of help me caveat into the next subject. Cause I'm not saying that this is the case with this one, but there are beliefs that that's what happened. And that's the Sandy hook shooting. Mm. So this is where he was wrong. So he went after it hard. He, like, no holds bar. They're actors. Nothing happened. It's all a farce. It's all the pushing agenda. The government did it. It's the FBI. Nobody actually died. And that was his whole message for years. Like, he was hard, hard, hard hitting it. And right now, he's dealing with his fourth defamation case. He's lost the last three to the parents of children that's died. And he's dealing with a fourth one right now. It's literally, there was an article yesterday about it. And mm-hmm. it's very, and that's why I said it's very prevalent to right now. Yeah. And, you know, the reason why 
um, and again, I don't, I'm not saying that I believe this, but the reason why people think that he was, there's a theory that he was baited is because every year um, and every quarter, the FBI releases a homicide report on every part of the United States on how many homicides there were per county, per area, and this, that, and the other. Well, when that happened in Sandy Hook, it was um, Newton, Connecticut is the town that it happened in, and it happened in December of 2012. Still to this day, the report for that was there were zero homicides. So now that could be a misprint. That could be a lot of different things, but that's kind of a lot of what he went off of as well and why he was bashing it is because how is there an FBI report that says there's zero homicides, but on the screen you're telling us that all these kids died. Mm-hmm. So there's definitely some contradiction there in a way, which again, there, the, the, the other part is that the case is actually sealed. You can't read any actual documentation on it. You're, it's all kind of just speculative and what was already there. And the case is completely sealed. So like you said, with security, people question and wonder why. So yeah. I'm not, again, I'm, I, that I definitely, you know, think that he was wrong in this situation, but the argument is there is an argument from people the opposite. So I guess that makes, and okay, so I could see why or how he could draw that conclusion again, because if there's an official FBI report saying that there was no homicides and then there's all this saying like so many people died, I could see where he could formulate an idea like that. Um, But again, like, misprint there's like things that like there's there's errors all over the place um but if you're a conspiracy theorist and that like that's what you yeah it's just like okay then yeah like again like i guess you have to ask yourself too then okay of the three things that you had mentioned and then tristan kind of like what you were saying just because they get stuff right some of the time how much how how many other things had he said in the past that just ended up to be wrong. So it'd be interesting to kind of take a look at that to see like statistically out of everything that has come out of Alex Jones's mouth, what has been right, what has been wrong, and then just be like, okay, 50% of the stuff that he is saying is wrong. And so it could be like, okay, it's 50-50. Or if it was like, okay, 75% of the stuff he said was wrong. It would just, it it would be kind of interesting to see a, a stat on that. Um yeah. Any thoughts, Tristan? Um, couple. So I think what's important to remember about Alex Jones specifically, and especially leading up to this, because like when it got to Sandy Hook, that was like the apex of his story where things kind of fell apart and changed. Um, especially so if you look at early Alex Jones, like when because I remember when I was like a kid and I thought that's because he talked about aliens and shit and it was like, it was interesting, right? And he was big and vivacious. So like you took some of what he said. Um, you were more willing to listen to it, but it wasn't quite as big and as bombastic. I think he realized that people responded to that very well. So he would gather information that was Jeff definitely questioning all, all these norms all over the place. He would get access to information, but he would then spin that information in a very propagandic way where he'd make it big and make all these giant accusations based off of like a little picture or a little sample of something and then try to blow it up bigger than it was. I mean, even everything he, th- that he was quote unquote right about that we discussed, I mean, he was kind of right. Like, sure, those things exist in an extent in a certain way, but the way he was talking about them was disingenuous to what was actually going on. 
Mm-hmm. And that's where things kind of fell apart with Sandy Hook. I remember right before that, because 2012 was a fucking weird year. I mean, it was a it was a tense year. It was a scary year. I remember not year, long before that. That was the year that the world was supposed to end. Remember? Yes. 2012. Remember, I, I, I'm out in Colorado. I remember when the, the theater shooting happened like right before that. Mm-hmm. And that oh, shit was yes. scary as fuck. People were freaked the fuck out. Like it was it was an uncomfortable setting. And I remember mm-hmm. him talking about it and it did not come off like the Sandy Hook one did. He government can, because most like mass shootings, like that's a common thing. It's a false flag thing, right? That's mm-hmm. a very yeah. common conspiracy theory, right? Yes. And he had been talking about that a lot. And, I, and he was almost at the peak of his popularity around then when he was talking about those things that were constantly happening until it happened to kids. And he was accusing these parents of being liars when they're like dealing with the loss of their child. Like that, although in other mass shootings, it's similar, just that one specifically, it just, it tugged on it. That was where people were just like, nope, 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 nope. All right. Crazy guy that says crazy things. Like you need to, you need to fucking stop. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's where a point where like, I think cancel culture to an extent comes from that. Cause at, there are times where people do need to shut the fuck up and stop. Like if people could just shut the fuck up, sometimes the world would be better. The problem is when you then inflict your will, forcing people to do that, that gets complicated and dicey. And that was mm-hmm. kind of his whole thing is he was super big into free speech and just saying whatever the fuck he wanted, which I believe it too, but there has to be like, you can't be a dick. Like, like, stop, don't like, <laughs> like understand the ramifications of what you're fucking saying. Like, especially when you have the responsibility of people under you, which is why uh, free speech laws don't apply the same to people in positions of power. They just mm-hmm. don't because they have that platform to speak. Yeah, I think that's a really good point. And I, I think I, I brought that up too. Like there's like the world would be such a better place if everyone was just nice and had that like, you know, it but again, it's just we all live in this in this different we're all brought up differently, you know? And like that's like everyone has a different comes from different walks of life and it's just it's I don't know. We you can I think even if any one of us were given like, okay, here's your little chunk of land. Here's like whatever. And you can make it and do whatever you want. And you have endless resources. I think even with that, things would still. Okay. Long story short, are we as humans just designed to fail? Because if we were given like a piece of land that we could do whatever we wanted to like you, like any one of us, and we had, you know, endless resources. I feel like even though we would still fail, you know what I mean? Like uh, to that, no matter, no matter how you crack the egg, I feel like it's just something is going to happen. And like, either you even do it in movies where it's like, everything is perfect. And then just like one little turd rolls in and then it's just like, and everything is just crazy. That's my turd. That's your turd. No, that's my turd. (laughs) (laughs) Well, so I feel like there's a, there's a sci-fi movie that does, an unbelievably underrated job at describing that. Mm. And it's actually Hellboy 2. And Ooh. it is, it's, they talk about humans as being born with a hole in their heart that can mm-hmm. never be filled. And we always want, and we always want, and we always want. Like we created it in the, in the, I'm just elaborating, but, or I'm just grazing over this, but essentially we created a pact with like the forest people and all this. And like, I think doors or something. I can't remember what the the third branch of um, people were. And we broke it because we just wanted to rule everything. And because our hearts had holes in it and we're never satisfied. We always want more and we always want more. And I feel Mm -hmm. like that just, I mean, 
It's true. I feel like no yeah. matter what, we we're almost like I mean, not everybody, of course, but I mean, like as a whole, we're like we're taught like especially in America, it's like hustle culture. You're you never have enough. You're never where you're supposed to be. You always need to push further. You always need to have better. And as some of that's blamed on marketing. Some of that's blamed on corporate culture. I mean, there's many different facets of why this is the case, but we always like, and like you said, there's also the different personalities that are pulled into it. Like if I had a whole bunch of land, the first thing that I thought of is I'd build a badass golf course. And I guarantee you, neither of you thought of that whenever you thought you were going to have a whole <laughs> bunch of land with Edna's resources. So we also have our own interests within it. So um, like it's, it, but we have this like, we're almost raised to think that you're you're not successful unless you have this. You're not th- to this point of your life unless you have this. And if you're at this age without this, you're, you're failing. And now we are starting to kind of break that now. I feel like we're we're definitely kind of realizing that those stigmatisms were not correct, and they're slowly starting to shift. But almost like what Tristan was saying earlier, it also depends on where you were born, because if you were born into an elite family and you, all you have been around is elite, you can take that statement and multiply it by a thousand. I mean, they are literally, if you are not here, you are a failure. And I don't know why you're in this family. And there is a lot more pressure to be perfect and to always have better and to always have more. And it trickled out. It trickles down. Hmm. I think for like, I can, so I can, I can see, I can see why, like, especially now being older, why, like, okay, I don't, I don't have any children, but like, I can see why like a mother and a father would push their son or daughter to be good at something because having like that sense of purpose in life, like I can, I can see that. And so I can see like the, I guess the, like the, you need to be good and like, you need to do well in school and you need to get to a certain point. And like, you know, I I can see that aspect, but I think it also needs to be something maybe that's taught that like money is not everything be like, have a sense of purpose. If it is selling marbles on the side of the road, be the best marble seller that you can be like, you know what I mean? It's just like, I don't know. I think there needs to be that, like that bridge where it's like, it's okay to not be at the very top, but whatever you choose to do, try to be the best at it. You know what I mean? So I don't know. I, again, like I, something that I go back to is my brother. Um, when he's was saying that, um, he envisioned what, how he was going to raise his children. And then when they were actually there, it just fell apart. Like he, it was like, it was nothing like all the plans. Like he was like, I'm going to do this, this, and this, and the kid or <laughs> the kid. Uh, so <laughs> my niece was completely different and it was just like, everything went out the window and like, you just have to change it. So I think in your mind, you can have exactly what you want to do. Um, but then just sometimes it just, it doesn't fall through reality hits. <clears throat> yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. I, I will say that, uh, I can, I can definitely back that one up. Uh, I, I have two children. So yeah. the first one, uh, it was, yeah, this is going to be this way. And it was just the complete opposite. And I'm like, all right, mm-hmm. well, I learned with that one. My other one came <laughs> seven years later. This is how this mm-hmm. is going to be now. And no, it's not. Yeah. So it doesn't, even when you think you have it, you don't. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And I, it's, and I think that almost goes back to like what I, say, I was saying. 
I think in our minds, we can have exactly how we'd want this perfect piece of land, this perfect, like endless resources, like whatever, whatever we wanted. I think it in our minds, it would be perfect, but then eventually something would happen where someone's not happy. Um, something is failing, whatever. And it's just, it would turn into, you know, what it is right now, but maybe, maybe not to this extent, but I don't know. Remember, remember our conversation we had about infinity? Uh, I don't, I yeah. don't want to yeah, remember you, that. Yeah. I don't, I don't, then, that hurt well, my brain. <laughs> remember what we also talked about with like wanting to live forever and like, you know, these elites trying to do that and like that being the goal, the ultimate go of their ego, basically. Mm-hmm. Ultimately, that is a bad thing because there's no way you wouldn't go crazy because eventually things are not going to taste. Once you've tasted and experienced everything, then that's where, like, to me, that's where, like, the concept of a true hell actually comes from is it's just empty of everything because everything's been exhausted. So you're you're supposed to not feel good because that's the balance to feeling good. You know, uh, people have to fail because otherwise you can't experience joy. If everything was great all the fucking time, it would be terrible because you wouldn't feel anything. Yeah, heaven that's, could literally be hell. Yeah. And that's, uh, that's one of the uh, motivational speakers that I, I, I listen to when I'm like running or whatever. It's uh, you got to have bad workout days to have good workout days. Like you're never going to feel 100% all the time. I think that's great, Tristan, where you're saying like you just... You got to fail. And I I know for people that love to win, that's a hard concept to like (laughs) to wrap their head around. And I I had buddies in high school, uh, one in particular, who when he was playing basketball, he would just beat himself up if we lost. And it was like, dude, it's it's just a game. Like, it's okay. Like, we're we're going to go to we're going to go to math class tomorrow. And a week from now, we're going to play a different game. And it's it's okay. It's the world's not going to end. And I don't again, like, I don't know if that's something that just like he was never taught, but but then again, it's good. And like, I guess, again, what I was saying, and maybe he was brought up to like, okay, you're going to be playing basketball, be the best basketball player you can be. But I think there needs to be that taught like, okay, you may fail, but learn from your failures. And I think that's something that a lot of people I think that's been said many of times, you got to learn from your failures and grow from it. Um, But I think kind of. Yes. Yes. Yeah. And and I think I think kind of to lose what I just said earlier, that has actually been always my attraction to golf, is because no matter how good you are, golf will humble you. You mm-hmm. could feel the best you've ever felt. You could be playing the best you ever played. All of a sudden, on eighteen, the last hole, there it went in the mm-hmm. water, or there it yeah. went <laughs> hit a tree. <laughs> like it's just it will find a way to humble you. You will never yeah, have exactly like how a perfect bowling round. is, dude. exactly you have like the perfect game going on and like it just hits you right there on like that 10th frame and it's just fucked the second you think about it like the biggest trick i ever learned what because i used to play i used to bowl a lot um the biggest trick i ever learned is just never watch your score don't Mm -hmm. think about it don't um don't run the numbers in your head from them at all just completely ignore it and just approach every one of them as a fresh like the first time you've ever bowled that's the only way like you can get through the anxiety of doing it well because <laughs> the better you do like the worse you feel because you're like fuck i'm totally gonna fuck this up now and that's part of the reason why um in tournament golf <clears throat> like you can technically keep your own score but you don't keep your own score whoever your playing partners are they keep your score and oh, they okay. submit your Ooh. scorecard that you that's sign true. at the end of the day to verify and part of the reason is is a psychological one because 
like obviously in the back of your head, you know about what you're doing yeah. or you could have counted, but you're also counting their strokes as well. So it kind of, you know, obviously depends on your capacity, but you're so focused on making sure that they're not breaking the rules and they're so focused on making sure that you're not breaking the rules that there's so much <laughs> already going on that you really can't worry about your score until it comes to like the last couple of holes or you're just like, whatever, I feel like I'm playing well, let's just let it ride. And is the difference yeah. of, you know, you know who you are and what your mindset is. Both, both of those sports, I, they're, they're so, they're so like, so methodical and like, they, like there's like just bowling, you got to like, just write down the, the, the alley or it, it's called an alley or what is, is yeah, right? It's an alley or lane. Yeah, or alley. Alley. Bowling alley is the set of lanes. So, so the lane, so you got to be so good with spinning it and like hitting the pins and with golf, you have to hit the ball and just the right thing. That's why I like lifting weights. You just pick it up, you put it down. It's there's no there's it is no not like not that this. simple. It <laughs> is I lift weights as well, not as much as you, but it is not that just, simple because there is often just just well, you like you like you played basketball. You said you had to at least enjoy some of like the the strategy behind it of positioning here to here to here to get it to go here kind of thing. I didn't or did you just going. like throw me the ball? I'm gonna shoot it and run like. Okay, that's right. Yeah. <laughs> I followed out a lot of games. Let's just say that. They just put me down at the <laughs> – You were the enforcer. <laughs> and and oh, that's, that's like, I guess that's kind of like hockey is like a combination of both where you can like, I love you know, s- slamming into people. And then if you don't – if you're not good at shooting the puck, just pass it to someone who is. And then, you know, just slam other people. So – but yeah, I guess like just kind of wrapping this back all up and everything. <laughs> Conspiracies. He's a big conspiracy theorist, Alex Jones. And we can see how I guess some of it um maybe not necessarily is a good thing, but you can see how he was right in some areas, but then you can also see the effects of not being right in a conspiracy theorist and like how damaging it can be. Um so final thoughts with, with with Alex Jones and everything like that. Let's 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 get them. I think I've made most of my opinions on him pretty clear and how I think kind of he functions, but just kind of summarizing it and wrapping it up. I don't feel like he ever meant anything bad ever. He just he just has that kind of personality that he throws himself so deeply into everything he decides is right. And then he and he insists that everyone else kind of need to be made aware of it. The, the positive part of that is it does get people to question things that they wouldn't normally and look a little deeper. Because when you present something so big and bombastic, generally smart and rational people know that what he's saying is fucking nonsense. But it does make them like be more aware of like what he's saying. Where like, you know, you you hear him ranting about something like the you know, they're eating the bud from babies or whatever. But then you read that report about the mice and you're like, okay, well at least that make I. I'm taking this in a different perspective now because he exists, which mm-hmm. is a good thing. Um, but he just was not careful or fully understood the ramifications of what he was saying and like what it could do to certain people, um, both by their just pure emotional feelings, like with Sandy Hook, or the possibility of radicalizing people that would not have done that if they hadn't found him to begin with, which is an equally dangerous thing. No. So he's he's polarizing. I think he's important, and I think ultimately it is a good thing that people like him have existed, but I think the time period we're moving in now doesn't have a place for people to function exactly like that. They have to have more tact now um, if you're going to try to accomplish what he was. I think you're 100% right, yeah. I agree. I think that 
you can you can gain some inspiration from him for what he attempted to do and what he did at times. And that is bring light to some things that some people don't want there to be light on. And some things, obviously, like the Jeffrey Epstein thing, that was great that light was brought on. And it wasn't from him. Like, he was just found differently. But the fact that that was mentioned and that was thought about and eventually it came to light. But, again, I, I agree. I don't think that his approach was uh, the best. Um, I think it's very important to remember that he came from media. He came from reporting. So if you look at the news nowadays, that is literally what he did. And that's what they do now is they just, you know, yeah. over they oversell everything. So, um, but I think, you know, if you take anything like from, if you were a follower of his, or if you really believed a lot of what he said, if you take anything from him, take the fact of, you know, freedom of speech is important. And if you see something that doesn't add up, you know, look into it. Obviously, uh, you know, there are some risks to that in some instances and beware of that before you start, you know, nosing around certain things. But um, just, uh, just you know, even, even the opposite aspect, kind of what you were saying, Tristan, about him saying some things off the cuff and, and people that were intelligent realize it's fake. Even when they realize it's fake, some people will just do extra research to prove him wrong. And that will also bring things to light, which is also a benefit in a way. So um, I think the more we talk about things, and obviously it's a podcast, so that's kind of what we do. The more we talk <laughs> about things, the better things get understood. And so if there's things that you think need to be talked about, say it. I like it. Yeah, nice. I agree. So if you enjoyed what you just listened to, hit us up on all your favorite social media pages, such as Twitter, Instagram, TikTok, and YouTube for the latest content where we have the most up-to-date information with what's going on with the show and what you can look forward to in future episodes. And remember, we aren't looking for normal. We want stuff that's effing weird. just like everything is just crazy his name is Gustavo and he didn't make it we're very upset about it but we killed a fucking cactus Ninja News Japan is a podcast it's about news from Japan Japanese news there's no ninjas if you're interested in the news this is a good podcast if you're interested in Japan this is also a good podcast if you're interested in ninjas this is not a good podcast it's a Japanese news podcast it's a podcast about Japanese news There's no ninjas.